0: The following lecture was delivered at the 14th Annual National Jewish Retreat in Washington, D.C., a project of the Roar Jewish
1: Learning Institute. We hope you enjoy it, and we encourage you to visit jretreat.com for information on upcoming retreats. Mrs. Yael Trush now presents her lecture, Living a Joyful, Richer Jewish Life, Lessons from a Podcast Host,
0: You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. Have you ever wondered, what's my mission in life? Am I fulfilling it? And how would I even know? I've got answers for you. I'm Yael Trush, host of the Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. Welcome. Today, we're going to talk about our soul's mission, but before we do that, um, and before we get into some of the lessons that we can learn from some of the uniquely talented Jewish women that I've interviewed on the podcast, let's talk a little bit about podcast. What is it? Anybody here listen to podcasts? Oh, so we have a few already into the podcasting technology. Very nice, so podcasts, much like the word brunch, a combination of breakfast and lunch. Podcast is a combination of iPod and broadcast. It is a combination of the iPod and broadcasting technologies. It's, let's just say, in practical terms, a audio show that you easily download onto your computer or your mobile device. 21st century radio, okay? But it has three distinct advantages over radio. Longer shelf life, access, and reach. So longer shelf life. Everybody, anybody can access a podcast at any point in time. So you're not limited to the time it airs. In fact, today you could go and you could download my show, Jewish Latin Princess, and you could listen to 100 plus episodes at your leisure, at your convenience. People usually listen while they're commuting, while they're exercising, cooking, on the go. You could stop, you can retake it at any time, okay? Longer shelf life. Access, again, we can access very easily under in, on the internet. And what's really neat is that once you've subscribed to these shows, you only really search for it once because once you've subscribed, which is a free subscription on your podcast app on your phone, it comes straight onto your phone. So really all you have to do is hit play or you do this. Let me show you something really cool. Hey Siri, play a Jewish Latin princess podcast. Levi there we go. Levi you don't have to do anything. Now let's turn her off. And if you have an Echo or an Alexa at home, same thing. Just tell her to play it and off you go. So very, very easy to access. And the last benefit is reach. A podcast has reached beyond Radio waves, so anybody with an internet connection anywhere in the world can access a podcast on their device. Okay, so why a podcast? Why did I start my podcast? Somebody already asked me that. So I want to take you back to Mishnah in Pirke Avot, in Ethics of Our Fathers, which some of you may be familiar with, where it says that everything God created was to, in this world, was to express his glory. Everything God created is for the sake of his glory. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe told us that this teaching from our sages also applies to the scientific discoveries of today, including technology. And in fact, we've seen that Chabad Lubavitch has always been at the forefront of using technology to disseminate Torah. From the live broadcast of the Rebbe's Fabrangans to I don't know if you've been to WLCC World Lubavitch Communication Centers Center in 770 Eastern Parkway. Amazing place to visit. To the beginnings of Chabad.org, the largest Jewish website in the world. We utilize it almost every day. Well, back in the 1980s, in the late 80s, when the world was not aware of the revolution that the internet would become, Chabad.org was already in, in its beginnings. So we've seen that, we see it in this beautiful retreat, the use of technology, social media, et cetera, et cetera. In As-Sihah, a talk that the Rebbe gave in 1966, he said something that I believe is particularly applicable to this new media, podcasting. He said, there is a special advantage in using radio to to teach Torah. Even if a person is not sufficiently motivated to attend a class, or even if they tune into the radio to hear something else, the words of Torah will reach him. This was my inspiration to launch my weekly show, the Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. Now, to give you a little bit more background, more context, I was already teaching Jewish women for a number of years, and I already was writing on my blog by the same name, Jewish Latin Princess and for Chabad.org and other Jewish publications. So when I I got, when I understood that this was gonna be the next new way and preferred way of consuming content, with the ability to reach thousands, perhaps millions of people, I said, I have to launch a weekly show. So. In my podcast, Jewish Latin Princess, I interview the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women. We go through their journeys, we talk about how they're using their God-given talents to transform God's world for good. And so we go through their journeys and I extract different Jewish lessons that we can all apply for, in, for our lives, for my audience, even for my guests themselves. So we, that's part of the conversation. Now, as I started to develop the idea for the show, I had to consider three particular things, three things in particular. Number one, the power of personal stories. Number two, the unique circumstances of women. We're gonna talk about that. And number three, that people want positivity. So the power of a story, you know, like the writer suggested before, not everybody's necessarily looking for a Torah class, but everybody loves a, a good story. Everybody enjoys a story. In fact, the Torah emphasizes the use of stories for learning. The whole book of Brashit of Genesis is full of stories. The Midrash is full of stories. Our Passover Seder is our national story. Stories of tzaddikim, stories of our Bubbies and our sadis, right? This is the way that we've passed down Torah. Stories are a very powerful tool for learning. So we can learn Torah concepts through personal stories, especially if they are well curated and you have a host who can extract these concepts from the story, namely me. So then we have the unique circumstances of women. The reality is that women are very, very busy right we don't we seldom have the time and the luxury to carve out time like this retreat to really sit down and learn women are on the go so i knew that anything that would be portable that women can access as they're doing are going about their busy busy schedule without incurring another time commitment would be really really good for women so that's women and then ultimately people want positivity I bumped into somebody yesterday, it was on Tuesday after, Tuesday evening, and she stopped me here in the retreat, and she said, I just want to say hi, I listen to your podcast, and it's just so nice, and it uplifts my commute, and that, that's exactly what it is, She's, I gained so much from it, and then her husband turns around and says, she quotes you all the time. <laughs> so, and I had a listener from London, it's actually beautiful to see where people are writing in from where they're listening from. She told me she she listens all the way in London. And she wrote that she says, I love that your interviews are light and interesting. And she says, and nothing news related about the hard times that people like talking about. That's what she said. I love that you focus on inspirational women for us to enjoy and learn from in a positive way. And that's exactly what what I'm trying to do. This is a positive space where people learn lessons, they can feel empowered to take positive action in their lives. Okay, so now, we can learn a lot of lessons from the hundred plus women who I've interviewed on the show, okay? But today I wanna focus on learning from their stories particular lessons on how to discover our soul's mission in the world, okay? We're all familiar with this concept, with the concept of a mission, I'm sure. I went to business school. I have an MBA from Stern, from New York University, and it's very obviously when you go to business school, that's one of the fundamental things you talk about, a mission. Every business has to have a solid mission statement, and you learn how to craft one and so on. Well, we learned it from God himself right? Every creation has a mission. In fact, Rabbi Shimon Jacobson put it so nicely when he said that this mission is central to who they are. For example, the sun's mission is to shine, the waters is to hydrate, the birds is to fly. They know it. They come programmed. They know what their mission is. And of course, We know that every business has to be structured in a way to have and to know what its mission is. Otherwise, it's not gonna get very far. But what about us humans? What about us? We don't come programmed. We don't come with an instruction manual. We don't come with a fancy business plan, fancy deck that tells us what our mission in life is or how to achieve it. But if you think about this, and I have to give credit to Rabbi Jacobson for this wonderful insight. The fact that humans don't come with instruction manuals, he says, is a sure sign that fulfilling our mission is part of the journey. It's part of our journey. As we're traveling through life, we are going to be presented with opportunities and resources that are going to allow us to fulfill that mission for which we came here. So I've interviewed about a hundred, over a hundred uniquely talented Jewish women, okay? And I've identified three things that many of these women have in common that I believe have contributed to their fulfillment of their mission in the world. And I think they're very important for us to keep an eye on as we're going through our own journey. And these three things are, number one, recognizing divine providence that nothing is coincidence. Number two, using our challenges as springboards for reaching greater heights. And number three, making sacrifices for Judaism, for God, when pushed to the test, what we're gonna call today an Esther moment. So let's start with the recognition that God is guiding our lives, that nothing is coincidence, what we call divine providence. So the, King David told us in Tehillim, He said, God guides the steps of man. Oh, there we go. Commercial break. God guides the the steps of man. This is a fundamental Jewish principle. Divine providence, or what we know in Hebrew as Ashkaha pratit. Ashkaha means supervision. Pratit means individual. There is individual supervision. God is involved in everything that happens to us. Everything, this means that nothing is coincidence, (laughs) that God is taking care of everything behind the scenes. Therefore, we can be calm and confident that everything that is happening is purposeful and somehow contributes to our unique mission. Do we always know it? Do we always see how things are purposeful or why they're behind, the why behind all of it? No. But as one of my guests admitted to me, just having this awareness can be transformational. Her name is Myrta Ines Troop, and she is the author of multiple historical fiction novels. And she told me that she only learned about divine providence as an adult, actually through Chabad. But that it's become such an important part of her life, such an important concept in her own personal life, that she in fact incorporated it into the narrative of, and the, weaved it into the characters' lives of her latest novel, which was very appropriately titled Destiny by Design. Let's hear what she said.
1: It also helps um, just on a daily basis when something happens and it ends up irritating you. you okay, it's now given me a moment to take you know, just to pause and say, okay, yeah. it's, t- it's just telling you, look around, what is happening? What are you meant to be seeing with this? Why is it being brought to your attention? Just very subtly, yeah. it has changed my life. It's changed her life.
0: Let's see what another of my guests said regarding divine providence in her life. Her name is Barbara Stani, who today is the leading authority and women and money. Now Barbara is an expert in personal finance, particularly in the field of women and money. Barbara was not always good with money or personal finance. She was born to wealth. She is the daughter of the R of H&R Block. You remember the company that does people's taxes? Okay. So when she got married, she handed off her money to her now ex-husband, who squandered it in multiple illegal transactions, while Barbara blindly signed on the dotted line numerous times. She remembers all this, and she retells me in the interview, soon after her divorce, her husband fled the country, and Barbara received tax bills for over a million dollars. Now, after hitting rock bottom, Barbara set out on a journey to become a financial expert and teach women not to make the same mistakes that she had made. Looking back, she realized that everything from the family she was born into, to the man she married, to her financial challenge, to her career choice as a journalist and other opportunities were all part of God's divine plan for her her life, leading her exactly to where she is today. Let's hear what she had to say about this.
1: I did not have a million dollars, not close to it. Uh-huh. My father wouldn't lend me the money. So that's when I knew I had to get smart. And I swear, every time I'd look at anything financial, my eyes would glaze over, my brain would bug up. I just felt terminally stupid. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then divine intervention. I, I was a journalist with the San Francisco Business Times. Mm-hmm. I, got a, I got a freelance project to interview women who were smart about money. Mm -hmm. And those interviews changed my life. Really, literally, I not only got smart about money, Mm -hmm. but I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming, how women get smart about money. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I had this whole new career. And I've been working with women and money for over 40 years.
0: Now, I want to share with you the story of another woman who saw, she recognized the divine providence the Ashkahaprat did in her life. She called her this, she called it the string that tied it all together. Very briefly, Braha Getz was a medical student who developed severe, a severe eating disorder. Her parents arranged for her to go intern in Israel at Hadassah Hospital with the intent of getting her away from her non-Jewish boyfriend. Meanwhile, Not only did she meet her future husband in Israel, but she became very, she became Torah observant, which miraculously cured her from her disease, as she told me, almost overnight. Looking back, Barbara, I mean, Bracha, recognized the divine providence and she concluded that her physical eating disorder was really a reflection of a deeply rooted spiritual hunger and longing. We can hear a lot more details it's a very it's a fascinating interview but let's hear a snippet of what she had to say.
1: When I had gone back to my parents' home, uh, they were clearing out their apartment, and I found my old diaries. So when I started reading the diaries, suddenly I I saw I saw the, the string kind of that tied my life together, and I could understand the path that I took. It, it suddenly, everything made sense about why I wanted to become an observant Jew. I, I saw that at age 12, I started searching and searching, and for years I was searching down many paths looking for the meaning to life. Mm-hmm. And, and when I saw the diaries, then everything made sense about the entire journey up until that point. So I realized then that I wanted to put this together into a book, it would be kind of a case study of a person um, how they developed eating disorders, mm-hmm. and how becoming an observant Jew helped me to heal from the eating disorders. So
0: As I said before, we may not always see in the moment how or why things are playing out a certain way in our life. But just having divine providence as a guiding principle allows us to welcome every opportunity and circumstance, even the unpleasant ones. Nothing is coincidence. God is guiding our lives. The second critical component that I often find as in these stories as we are fulfilling our soul's mission is how we deal with our challenges, how to deal with challenges. We all have them, but the key is to know that every challenge has a purpose and has the potential to springboard you onto greater heights. There's a famous Torah concept that our sages teach us, Yerida Letzorach Aliyah, a descent for the sake of an ascent. And it's speaking about the descent of the soul, which comes into this world to achieve something greater than it could have achieved had it stayed in heaven. The same is true for every descent in our lives. Every fall, every challenge that seems to pull us down, hold us back, is an opportunity to, to get us to move forward. It's, it's propelling us to greater, greater heights. In other words, there is a purpose. Our challenges are not in vain. And philanthropist and CEO of um, Leviyev USA, my friend, Hagit Levayev, she said it best when I asked her, what are you most grateful for, Hagit?" And I'm also grateful for the challenges because I know that Hashem is trying to teach us a lesson, trying to make us learn from them and become better, better people. Now, let me tell you the story of a woman who saw this concept of Yerida Letzora halia, descent for the sake of an ascent, vividly in her life? Her name is Yehudit Abrams. Yehudit is an engineer and a doctor who was the first Orthodox Jewish woman to win the first prize at the coveted and very competitive Monet Her, uh, not Monet Her, that's her product. We work creator awards in Jerusalem. So she won the We work Creator Award for her revolutionary invention, Monitor. Monitor is meant to become the first handheld at home device for early detection of breast cancer. Now, prior to winning this award, Yehudit's professional life had been filled with challenges. In fact, she described as, she described them as she described her life as littered with multiple failures. That's what she told me. And frustrated career plans that never seemed to materialize in the way that she wanted. For example, it took her 9 years to get her undergraduate degree and many failed classes. She failed her clinical knowledge exam at medical school, which made it very, very hard for her to enter a residency program later on. Then she worked for NASA and for technology companies in Silicon Valley, very nice, but all she wanted to be was a doctor. When she finally started her medical residency program, she withdrew, which then made it even harder for her to get into another one again. In the meantime, Yehudit continued to work for medical technology companies, which in fact, rejected most of her input and her ideas, And there was more. It goes on and on and on. failure after failure after failure, that's what she called it. But as she was about to claim her price that night for monitor her, for her medical device, she saw the bigger picture. She saw that these failures were exactly what allowed her to develop the revolutionary technology. Her challenges led her to achieving greater heights than she could have ever imagined. Let's hear her. I started reflecting on, you know, this crazy life that I've lived and all that I've done and how there's so much of it that just didn't make sense. And there were so many failures and there were so many things that I ended up doing that I didn't really want to do. Um, But how it all came together and how all of those failures and the, the whole path that Hashem put me on culminated that night. I saw the bigger picture and I was like, okay, Hashem, maybe this is why. You know, maybe it wasn't failures. Maybe it was just you wanted me to get this experience to do what I'm doing now. Now we're going to hear from another lovely woman who understood that her challenges were not in vain. They propelled her to do something greater than she had ever anticipated. Her name is Sophia Silverman. Sophia battled infertility for many years. The physically and emotionally draining struggle led her tested her faith numerous, numerous times. Thank God today she's a mother to four beautiful children, a blessing that she doesn't take for granted. Inspired by her own challenges, after the birth of her third child, Sophia started a foundation to provide financial assistance to women and couples trying to undergo treatment for infertility. To date, Sophia's Foundation has given financial aid to four couples and there are two babies on the the way thanks to Sophia's Foundation's aid. Sophia also published a 30-day manual on uh, support for women who are undergoing IVF treatment and she provides countless emotional and practical support to couples dealing with this, this trial situation. Now she says, that the reason God sent her the challenge of infertility is so that she would reach a greater height, helping others
1: you know what I had to go through all of this because I have to help people I have to speak about it I'm gonna do a blog I'm gonna speak about it I'm not gonna leave it all into myself and I'm gonna try to help as many people as I can throughout this process and that's why God sent me this problem because after
0: um after achieving my goal of having three kids and having a full house with my children and the whole family now I can say that God sent me all these things so I could help people. We can and we must find purpose in life's challenges. They are there to reveal a potential within us that we don't even know exists. Indeed, they can lead us to the fulfillment of our soul's mission. The third element that I find often presents itself as we're fulfilling our mission is what one of my guests referred to as an Esther moment. What is an Esther moment? There's a pivotal moment in Megillat Esther, in the Book of Esther that we read on Purim, where Mordechai asks Esther to intercede on behalf of the Jewish people against Haman's wicked plan. Esther hesitates. She's scared for her life. So Mordechai at that moment reminds her, "Who knows, perhaps for this very moment you were made the queen." Some of my guests have faced potentially defining moments and they've made choices that involved personal sacrifice, for, personal sacrifices for something greater, for God, for Judaism. What we call in Hebrew, you may be familiar with this term, mesidut nefesh, self-sacrifice. I think we all encounter such moments in life. The question is, what are we going to choose? I'm going to introduce this concept of Mesirut Nefesh, of self-sacrifice, sharing something um, that a guest on my show share, uh, shared with me. Her name is Alison Josephs. And Alison is the creator of Jew in the City. Many of you might be familiar with her work. It's a media company that seeks to challenge stere- stereotypes about Orthodox Jews and change the narrative and the conversation, the public view of Orthodoxy. She began her work out of frustration with this perception, often not accurate or negative, about a way of life that she adopted as a young adult and that she found beautiful and enriching, Orthodox Judaism. So as she was attempting to launch this project, she kept seeing her bank account dwindle. And logic might dictate that she give up, but she didn't.
1: Here's what she said. And yet I kept telling myself, what are you going to tell Hashem? Like when you get to Shemayim, like he's going to tell you, like, you know, I gave you the ability to have a presence. I gave you this powerful story of searching for meaning. You had all that and you were afraid about not having a big enough bank account.
0: Now I'm going to share with you the story of the woman who called this idea of personal sacrifice, her Esther moment, Adrian gold. Somebody just told me that they traveled with Adrian to a conference one year, Adrian, was a Canadian TV personality. She became an international Torah educator. Her Esther moment occurred when on September 11th of 2001, the TV station where she worked delivered the horrific news in a way that seemed to point the finger at the Jews for the tragedy of September 11th. Adrian, in a hysterical fashion, called the control room at the station and told them to control the way this news was being delivered. Then she proceeded to commit career suicide. Despite being a fashion commentator on her TV show, Adrian found ways to continuously reference her Jewish identity and Israel. She was repeatedly censored by her producers and she was told to keep her personal agenda out of work. She was let go, and she decided to use the training and the voice that she had developed over almost 15 years on camera to inspire and teach other women about Judaism, despite the fact that she was new to Jewish observance herself. Let's hear her.
1: And that was close to 20 years ago, where I began the shift from fashion television personality to Torah teacher, because I found my Esther moment, and I embraced it.
0: Interestingly, I had another TV personality on the show, probably the most famous new celebrity in Venezuela, one of the most influential and beloved journalists of that country. Her name is Shirley Varnagi. When pushed to choose between her faith and her career, she's chosen God. She's had such tests numerous times, but I'm going to tell you about one of those tests. She called it the big test. After a competitive casting with Sony Entertainment Television, Shirley received an offer that was for a broadcast all across Latin America. Not only was an incredible career move, but it was a job paid in US dollars. There was just one tiny detail. She was to be on live television Monday through Friday at 9 p.m. Shabbat. Shirley was very, very torn. She didn't know what to do. She finally decided to call the vice president at Sony and reject the job offer. She told him why. He was furious. The chutzpah of this young Jewish reporter, Sony is offering her the job opportunity of a lifetime and she's saying no? She was devastated. But she, that was the choice that she knew she had to make. Now, sheerly, it's very interesting because after a few weeks, an unexpected turn of events. She didn't expect this. And all of a sudden, the same executive calls her back and offers her to pre-record her Friday segments, her Friday evening segments. Now, let me tell you that Shirley's career has taken off tremendously ever since. And till today, well, actually, I just want to mention also that she mentioned to me that she's because of her influence and everything else, while it hasn't been easy, she says that she's gained tremendous respect from her peers because of her tenacity and her conviction. Everybody's well aware of where she stands. Till today, she stands by her willingness to put God before her career. In fact, she told me that before she goes on the air every day, she covers her eyes and she says, Shema Israel. So I said, surely why? She says, because Judaism teaches us that the mouth is the most powerful organ in the body. And so every day, I ask, my, I ask God before I go on air that he should put the right words in my mouth. I'm going to play a very short snippet of what Shirley said to me. It's in Spanish, but I'm going to translate right away. It's very short. I
1: chose my religion and my career. I chose my religion. And finally, God, at the end, God me with another opportunity.
0: So Shirley just told us that she had to choose between her career and God many times, and in the end, she chose God and he provided her with better opportunities. Ladies and gentlemen, we might not all have a dramatic Esther moment, where we have to choose between God or life, God or career, Jewish identity or else. But we do have Esther moments when we have to make a choice. What will my response be as a Jewish person? What will I choose? And so when opportunities to do good come our way, even if they present, if they come involving a personal sacrifice, even if they might be difficult, we need to ask ourselves, we need to stop and ask ourselves, who knows, perhaps I was created for this very moment. Each and every one of us is a uniquely talented soul, sent here by God himself, And God gave us all a general mission. The Torah tells us, the sages tell us in the Torah that that mission is to serve our creator. And the language of the mystics is to make a dwelling place for God in this world. But we're all so unique. We fulfill our mission in very unique ways. Every talent, every personality, every strength, every weakness... Every internal resource that we've been endowed with is unique. And every circumstance, every external circumstance in our life is unique. The family we were born into, the places we grew up, our careers, our financial resources, the people we interact with, the places we visit, all unique. So how do we ensure that our soul is doing what it's meant to be doing, what it was sent here to do, that we are making our unique contribution to God's world. So, like many of the women on the show, we first start by recognizing that nothing in our lives is coincidence, that our every step is guided from above. Second, we transform every challenge into an opportunity for growth. And third, when presented with the difficult choices, we embrace our Esther moment. Now, what I'd like to do is conclude with a fun part of the show, which I call JLP fill-in-the-blanks. And this is how I coronate all of my guests at the end of the interview. It's a fun way for them to get a little bit more in touch with their Jewish identity, my guests and my audience, and also to shed a little bit more light onto that unique contribution that everybody's making to this world. So you're going to be my guests. We're going to play this. And it's not hard. It's just open-ended sentences that you will just finish with the first thing that comes to mind. There's nothing right or wrong, okay? So we're going to get started with, what's your name? Karen looks, Karen looks scared. Karen, I'm not scary, I promise you. <laughs> My name is Karen, and I feel most spiritual when? I'm in shul. In shul, very nice. All right. My favorite mitzvah, or one that I feel most connected to, is? Giving tzedakah. Tzedakah, very nice. That's coming up very soon. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is?
1: Holidays with my
0: family. Holidays with family, very, very popular answer on the show. There's something about Passover and getting together and the Sukkah and Hanukkah, all of that. Very, very popular answer. All right. So this is a tough one. Ready? Uh, I, think, I think you can handle it. You're a good team. Okay. <laughs> Something I wish I'd learned about Judaism growing up is? That Chabad philosophy that I wake up in the morning and God is all-encompassing. Wow, did everybody catch that? That she wakes up in the morning with the awareness that God is all-encompassing. Very beautiful. When I give tzedakah, I like to give to...
1: The man on the street carrying a sign.
0: Wow, the man on the street carrying a sign. Very, very beautiful. Finally, me your name. Finally, I'm Shirley, and today I'm most grateful for um, for being here, for being here in this retreat. My name is Yael Trash, I'm the host and today I'm most grateful for being here with all of you. This wonderful opportunity May we all be very blessed in the fulfillment of our individual missions so that we can fulfill our collective mission of bringing the final redemption to the world. Thank you. I'm very happy to take questions. Yes. How do I find all these women, these women to interview? I stalk them. <laughs> Numerous ways. One is I read a lot of books and I pay attention to what women are writing. I find them on social media. I find them on places like this retreat. I stalk the manual, the, hand, the handbook. Um, and I have a lot of people that my guests, my my audience, my listeners suggest to me. So it's a combination of all those. And then, of course, I have to do my my research and my legwork as the curator of the show. But yeah, those are the main ways. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I'm very happy that you asked that question, thank you. Because we're about to conduct a survey to get that feedback. Um, my guess, it's 99% women, um, at least from the people that write into me or that call or that interact with me on social media, it seems to be women. Um, but certainly men are not excluded, my husband, can tell you that he enjoys the show very much and always comes back home and says, I learned so much from your interview today. So, um, but yes, it is, I, I would guess it's primarily women. Other questions? Yes. I'm going to repeat her question. So she says, we talked about divine providence. Am I responsible for the bad choice? Am I, is that my responsibility? And the short answer to her question is, Yes and no. Yes, you're responsible for the choice. Now, God is behind all of it, and that choice is leading you in a certain way. So it's a very, very complex topic. But yes, you have to assume responsibility for your choices. (laughs) Other questions? Yes. Oh, see? You can tell her. (laughs) We were in a happiness. I ran a happiness workshop earlier this week. So yes, I'm from Puerto Rico. San Juan. In doing what I'm doing, the greatest challenge. Um, wow, that's a really good question. I don't think I ever thought about it, but let me see. On the spot, on one foot, I would have to say perhaps getting it out there. I think in the Jewish world, podcasts are relatively new, newer than in, in the general public, amongst the general public. I, I encounter a lot of people all the time. What? What's a podcast? So just even that has been a little bit of a hurdle. Um, in terms of adoption, um, I would say that's been like the biggest, but I, but thank God, as soon as I hear back from people who are listening and all that, the, po- the feedback is extremely positive. But yeah, I would say that's been a little bit challenging. Perhaps I wasn't expecting it, that people hadn't caught on to this technology yet. But I think m- many people, once they do, they really enjoy it because of what I mentioned before. It's really on the go. You could do it as you're doing other activities and gain a lot from it. So, Yes. Right, so her question is, since it's an audio show, how do I conduct it? So it is, just like she suggested, it is done through a phone line. Basically, we do it, the technology is very simple. It's something called Skype, believe it or not. It still exists and we use it. It's very popular among podcast hosts. We, we log into Skype together and we conduct the interview and record and then it gets edited. Um, there is no video recording unless we wanna do it for a promotional purpose or something like that. Um, for the po- most part, we don't do it. So yeah, it's an, it's an audio recording, it's remote, and it's wonderful because it's allowed me to have these conversations from w- with women from all over the world. Yes. Um, yes, definitely. That is a great question. My audience tends to be predominantly younger, and my guests, for the most part, I would say there's been quite um, the generation above. It's definitely an older group of women. We d- I definitely have younger women, but certainly, I think it's telling to the fact that experience in life, right? Um, and things that journeys that we've traveled and lessons that we've learned that we're able to share. So, yeah, great question. I never actually thought about that, but that is a very good point. And I would say the guests represent an older generation for the most part. Wow, what a question. With all my talents, do you see a greater mission that the podcast is the tip of the iceberg? Yes. <laughs> I could expand on that, but I think there's a session coming up. But yeah, definitely definitely as a communicator, definitely as an educator, I think I'm on to something. Yes, sir. Yeah, you, can, you need first to ask Siri to open your podcast app if, 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 she, if you're not subscribed yet. Once you're subscribed, then you just tell Siri, play Jewish Latin Princess podcast. But I think that initial, hey Siri, is please open the podcast app. And then once she's there, she could do the search for you. <laughs> technology I'm telling you we don't even have to move our fingers anymore one minute I'm just gonna take the question in the back and then I'll get back to you yes my background is not in communication and public speaking other than I went to graduate school in business so that did require a lot of public speaking but but no my background is in economics and and finance and business so you had a follow-up question I think there you go. He said, that's a generational difference. Exactly. My, my guests don't know how to use a podcast, and my audience. Yeah. So, yes, um, there's a little bit to, but you'd be surprised because a lot of my guests, having said that, are familiar with this concept of interviewing because they've been interviewed before and they've been interviewed for other podcasts and so on and so forth. So it's hardly ever that I have a person who's the first time being on, on a show at this point in, in their career. Any other questions? All right. Well, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com. Please visit myjli.com to learn more about JLI's multiple
1: educational offerings, and torahcafe.com to view highlights and lectures from past retreats.